Ready for some word today? Yes. Praise God. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, get it out and go with me to um, the book of Genesis. Very first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 5. And just hold your place there. We'll get to that in a little bit. I began a new series a couple of weeks ago called How to Walk with God. And uh, I want to remind you from the get-go here of two major um, experiences that we should all prioritize. Number one is our legal relationship with God. In other words, being saved. This is the new birth. This is the receiving of our salvation. That's got to be numero uno, right? And then number two is our daily walk and interaction with God. This is often not experienced by everyone who experiences number one, okay? That doesn't mean they're not going to heaven, but it means you missed some of the points. You kind of missed what God had in mind when he called you to be with himself, when he drew you into this relationship. And by the way, that is how it happened. It wasn't just solely your choice. You made the choice and to your credit to say yes, if you have, if you haven't. You know, we encourage you to do so today. Uh, but God drew you, amen. His grace was upon you to be in a, a relationship with him, to be saved. But not just that. We're not just talking about when you die, because I'm going to be here a while. How about you? Yeah. Right? I, I, mean, I mean, unless you're like 120, see us, you know, there. <laughs> you, you might be ready to, to depart. But uh, for the rest, we're going to be here a while. We might as well do this the way God intended. We're supposed to walk with him have daily interaction with Him. And if you learn those two components, very simple, get saved, and then walk with God every day, having that divine connection, uh, you might, you know, experience true Christianity. Yeah. The way He intended, not the way religion has made this to be. And we're looking for the genuine article. Aren't we? No phony baloney. No, no fake stuff, no fake news, no fake Jesus, right? right. We, Amy and I were watching the news, I think yesterday or something came up, and it, or, or I don't know, or maybe we saw it on a website or something, but apparently they're, they're authorizing people to call things that are not milk, milk. You heard that? Yeah. What? Is that what I thought? She says soy... And oat. You can't milk a soy. <laughs> anyway, uh, see, you, you remember that uh, my growing up years, I was in, the, in a dairy family. Still have family in the dairy business. This is wrong. <laughs> hurts their profits, for one. <laughs> but also, it's not milk! Amen. Just like they shouldn't have allowed legally for margarine to, make, to be made yellow. That is deception. It's the devil. Butter is yellow. Cows, black cows eat green grass and make white milk and yellow butter. Anything else is fake. All right. Back to our message now. Legal relationship, daily walk with God. This is perfectly modeled by Jesus, right? Uh, 
We follow him not just in his teaching or in his character, but pay close attention when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, to his interactions with his father how he talked about his relationship with the Father, because that is our ideal model. I can do it like Jesus did it. Remember, Jesus was the Son of God, the only begotten Son. But since the resurrection, he is the firstborn of many brethren. All right? There are many sons of God, male and female, sons of God. We have uh, this same relationship with the Father that he had and has. And so he's our example. We want to do it like he did. And, you know, like I was saying, you know, just using the biblical example of milk and butter, uh, uh, being real is a very important component to getting along with, with an all true, all real God. I mean, no, with God, there's nothing fake. There is no phony. Satan is the, is the chief counterfeiter. He's He's the, the deceiver, the one that tricks people. With the Lord, there is light and there is no darkness at all. He's not phony. He's not fake in any way. And so if I'm going to be walking with God, I've got to be real. And how many know he sees it all anyway? You might be able to fake your way with some people because they don't know everything, but you're not going to get an inch with God unless you're open transparent, real. He sees all and he needs us to be real with him in that way. I've noticed that there are certain things that you can't fake. Uh, when I say can't fake them, not for more than a minute and not with many people for very long. Things like this, you can't fake faith. You can't be weak in faith yet pretend strong faith. Why is that? Because your faith is going to produce a result or it's not. And in all... Ultimately, what it produces shows what its state is, what its condition is. You can't have, you can't fake faith. You can't fake humility. Again, more, more than for a minute, right? How many know if you think too highly of yourself, it's not too long until it shows? It'll eventually come out your mouth. It'll come out your actions. And, and I need to have genuine faith, genuine humility. I can't fake maturity, Right? Uh, maturity is something that shows up when, when pressure comes. When, when the pressures of life or other people when poke your, you know, your buttons, we see what someone's made of. The immature that act a certain way, maturity acts another way. And so all these things are worth our efforts to grow in, to increase in, to learn and walk in and be developed in them. There's, again, there's no shortcuts to some of these things. Now, likewise, our walk with God can't be fake. And it really can't be faked, right? Our walk with God either exists or it doesn't. You're either in constant communion with God or you're not, and you may substitute religious systems to cover it. And so you, you kind of have the, the picture of it, but it lacks substance. It lacks power. It lacks divine spark and life. And that's not what I signed up for. I don't think any of us did. You know, when we came to the Lord, it's like, I want the real deal. I want a real relationship with God. I can get religion a thousand places, but a true, genuine connection to my creator, a father who loves me, a savior who gave his life for me, that's what my heart longs for. And so I don't want to, you know, put up with anything less. 
I don't want to just be okay with anything short of that. And I recommend that you not be okay with it either. Even if it's in your own life. Even if you're a little more robotic than you ought to be and you want to be genuine before God. Have it, just tell the Lord, say, I'm not okay with this. I think you're much bigger than this. I think you are much better than this. And I want to experience the real thing. I recall not too long ago, whenever it was that Billy Graham passed away and went to be with the Lord, I remember seeing this show, or maybe it was a clip of the show, but it was two people discussing his life. And one of them was Kathy Lee Gifford, and the other one was Megan Kelly. Okay, if you know those TV personalities. Uh, but while they were discussing, and they were being honorable and so forth of his life, it became evident to me that one of those women knew God and one of them didn't. And I don't mean they didn't look good. I don't mean they were saying disrespectful things at all. I could see it. I could see it, whether you call it spiritual perception or observation, but I could see one of those ladies knows the same Lord that I do. The other one's just talking about him. And it becomes evident. And, and, uh, and so we should be perceptive of these, of these matters. I'm not speaking against that woman. You know which one it is if, you've, if you know the difference, if you've seen something like that. If you're spiritual, you can see where that exists. It's just like sometimes you can note nominal Christians versus spirit-filled Christians. You can see it on people. And it's hard to write it down because it's a spiritual perception. And you can see the difference. And often those who don't have what God offers, they don't recognize it about themselves. It's not necessarily a physical characteristic. It's a presence uh, issue. And I say, all of us go for all of him. <laughs> if he's made something available, say, sign me up. I'm going all in because I want the real, genuine article. Now, now, now last week, one of the other things I was mentioning to you is, is the... the the issue of love, how, how a, a true Christian is in one, in one way defined by their love for God. If you are saved, you have a, an, a, an enduring love for Him. It's real. It's not, it's not just I have good discipline or I have good spiritual habits. I really love the Lord. And I told you my, my, my experience and how the Lord uh, showed me something about the great uh, white throne judgment and those people who did not love him. Uh, but in thinking about this even further, I just want to draw your attention to a few scriptures. Let me read them to you today. Second uh, Timothy chapter three, verse one reads, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And then the latter part of verse four reads, they'll bet they'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of of God. So just like a believer is described, defined on some level by their love for God, an unbeliever or those who fall away or not walking with God, they're defined by this same measurement. They don't love God. They love. What do they love? They love pleasure. And that's not talking about spiritual godly pleasure because there's that in him. Talking about worldly, earthly pleasure. They love pleasure more than God. Why bring this up for, for, for our benefit? So we can keep our eye on the ball, so we can stay focused and keep our daily walk with God healthy. How can I do that? It's our love for Him, not just our adherence to His commandments. It is our love for Him that drives this. 
Okay? And then Deuteronomy 6, 5, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Notice he didn't say, he didn't say you shall obey the Lord. He said you shall, what? Love. love. This is what God's interested in. Colossians 3 and verse 2 from the King James reads, uh, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Who's that up to? That's up to us. I, I, I do what I choose with my affection. And I can take it and put it on the things above, on the Lord, on, on what he's involved with. Or I can take my affection and set it on things of this life, things that are temporal, things of this earth. But that's up to me what I do with that, right? Okay. And then, and then Psalm 91 in verse 14 reads, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. So the person that will take their love and put it on the Lord, they intentionally set it on him, they're the ones that know him. They're the ones that, according to this, get to experience his mighty deliverance. But this, this heartfelt love for God is something that must be, you know, stirred up, it must be maintained. We must keep that fire burning because that sets the stage for a walk with God. I don't want to try to walk with God because I have to. You know, I don't want to just walk with God because, you know, people are counting on me. I want it to be driven first and foremost by my love for Him. And if that's in place, come on now, everything else is set up to succeed. Praise God. I was thinking about David, you know, who, King David, who wrote many of the Psalms. And uh, uh, David was a warrior. He led great battles. You know how he took out Goliath. And then he was a great warrior. And even so much that, uh, so much so that when it became time to build the temple, the old covenant temple, the Lord said, no, not you. You've been involved in too much war and uh, we're going to let your son do that. So David gave large offerings to let somebody else do it. That's a principle right there. Either do it or give to help someone else do it. <laughs> and, uh, but, but David didn't do it. He was a warrior. He was a tough dude. And you know what he also was? One who was free to express his love and devotion and worship to God. You read about him in the Psalms. David is one who, who, who danced when the Ark of the Covenant was there so much that his wife despised him. David was the one. He was a mighty warrior. He's tough as nails and also an expressive soul. Uh, had a heart of worship to God. Amen. So think about this. I don't want anyone to disqualify themselves. <coughs> Guys, uh, <laughs> I'm tough. <laughs> you know, I'm, a, I'm not really that emotional or I'm not that expressive. Like, that's my wife. She does that. And me, come on now, be as tough as David. Come on, you want to be a strong man, love Jesus and worship God. Yeah, that's what a, that's, that's, that's what a real man would be defined by. And, and women, of course. But this is something we want to be. Tough people, you can be tough. Tough enough to get on your knees. Tough enough to, to let your heart be poured out in adoration and admiration of Him, the one who saved you, the one who gave you life. When you can be that, come on, that's toughness defined. 
Yeah. Did you find Genesis? Genesis chapter 5. It's right there where you left it. Genesis chapter 5. And we want to read about the guy who gave me my title for the series. All right. And his name is Enoch. Verse 21. Genesis 5.21. Enoch lived with... Uh, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. That means begot, he was born. And after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all, so all the days of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Now, we only have this and a few verses that we'll read in, in a minute in Hebrews and then one other portion that even mentions uh, Enoch. He didn't get much page time. <laughs> uh, he didn't get a whole lot of scriptures written about him in the Bible. Yet the ones that were written about him were pretty impressive. Okay? Just simple description. He was this old. He walked with God after that for 300 years. And then he got obviously so close to God, he was just gone. He just disappeared one day. He didn't die. He just stepped over into glory. He got so close with the Lord. And some things I, I noticed about his walk, just from a couple verses. But, but one, he had sons and daughters. So he wasn't a monk. Walking with God does not require you to cut yourself off completely from all the rest of life. He had a family. He had a wife. He had children. Can I, I say, I don't have time to do all this, all this stuff. I mean, I have kids. <laughs> so did Enoch. And he was so close to God that you see what happened. So we can be at the same time a parent, so uh, have a family, and walk with God. What I'm saying is that our natural life does not go away with having a close, intimate walk with God. It gets better. We do what everyone else does in that area, and it's better than they have it. You have more God in your life. You have more of everything that's good. You can't, you don't go down, you go up. Amen. Well, I, you know, if, if I think I don't have time for church and this and, and, and serving and, and, you know, serving God and, and, you know, doing those kind of things because uh, I have family or I have work or any natural thing. That's where we've been lied to. Remember, God's a real, genuine truth teller. Truth makes us free. Here's, the, here's reality. And our, we ha our guest this last week brought this a point, a similar point out to our, our, our students this, this week. And that and that is when someone says, I don't have time, I need to take a break from serving. It's talking about serving in the local church. And uh, he recognized that as a pastor that they're making the wrong decision because they're thinking wrong. They're thinking, I don't have time for this, I need a break. No, you don't, you might not have time for TV. You might not have time for social media, but you always have time for the Lord. You always have time for his things. It's when we tell ourselves, I don't have time for this because these other things are priority that we mess up God's blessing on our schedule Amen. and on our 24 hours. 
All right. We always have time to pray. We always have time to worship, to, to do the things that we're supposed to do in the kingdom of God. We always have time for that. And then we have the blessing of God on our family and our job and everything else. We just have to think right concerning this uh, so that we don't mess up God's plan. All right. At the same time, walking with God doesn't mean you neglect your family. That's not synonymous. If someone says, I, you know, I don't have time for, for my family and my kids, you know, sports games or whatever and all these kind of things because I'm serving at church. Something's off there. When you serve God, you can do both and both at a higher level. Hallelujah. What does it mean? What does it mean to walk with God for 300 years? What happens if you do that? Well, I only have one example. Apparently, if you could do this for 300 years, you disappear. <laughs> you get so, I mean, if you, you, get, you just get so caught up with the reality and magnitude of God and His power and love and wisdom and strength that this world fades away and you're just out of here. So we may not, might not experience that 300-year issue uh, walk with God, but I'll tell you this, religion may steal your, your time and your joy and your money, uh, and God doesn't take any of that. You may sow some of that at times, but God's not going to diminish your life for Him. He's going to enhance it. Now go to Hebrews 11, if you would, please. Way on the other side of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11 this is known as the great faith chapter. And in it we find Enoch again. In verse 5, Hebrews 11, and verse 5 reads, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So think about it. Enoch was taken away by, by faith. So how many know that's not the same as God just took him away? If faith was involved, he was part of the decision. He was part of the process. God revealed, I, I would say it this, you can judge if you think this is accurate, that God at some point told Enoch, you can stay or you can go. You can stay here on earth or you can continue on with me. And Enoch, by faith, said, I'm out of here with the Lord. The Lord gave him that choice because he, by faith, took that step over into glory. Um, verse, eight, uh, verse 6 reads, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay, first of all, notice in verse 5 the language God took him. By the way, the definition of God taking someone is they don't die. Okay, so we don't use that language if a child dies or a parent dies or someone dies um, at any time, really. We don't say God took them. Why? That implies that we're just nicely saying God killed them. God's not killing his kids. Right? I'm pretty sure that's frowned upon in our lives. Right? <laughs> Parents, you may have wanted to at times kill your kids, but 
No, you resisted. No, that's, and God's not killing his kids either. When someone dies, God didn't take them. Okay, now say, well, how, how should we describe that? Received him? Received them? That would be a better way. Because he's not the author of their death. Even if they died at a ripe full age, it was still him receiving them into glory. Amen, amen. So, but in this case, God took him and it was an act of faith that caused this. It is directly connected. Now, Enoch's walk with God, right? He walked with him and then he stepped over. That act, those two acts, if you want to say it that way, were tied to believing that God existed and believing that he would reward us. Enoch had those two things working in him. That's how he got that relationship with God. Okay, so let me say that in, in a different way. Two areas that we need to get working is number one, acknowledgement of abiding presence. Okay, this is another way to say they must believe that God is. Okay, God is. He, he, it's not that he just was or that he will be. God is. God is an iser. <laughs> that speaks of presence. It speaks of present tense presence. We must believe that God is. I think this is more than just I believe in God. Okay. I mean, most people believe in God in that sense. They believe that he exists. But it, it's what Enoch had working is his belief that God was present with him. Listen to these verses, or I'll just tell you about them. Ezekiel 48, 35, it is revealed by God that he is the Lord. He's called the Lord is there. The Lord is there. He is, he's present tense. He's here. Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus said, I, uh, about the Lord, it says, he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. Matthew 28, 20. This is Jesus. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This revelation sets the stage for any other thing, any other blessing, leading, guidance from, from the Lord. It starts with this, a conscious awareness, as I wrote it, acknowledgement of abiding presence. We can stir this up intentionally. And you know, guys, I think we need to. I think we have to. I think we must school ourselves into this mindset where we wake up in the morning, we do what we do, we drive down the road, and we are conscious of him. How, how, can I, how can I get that in play in my life? Just by saying it. You can say it, you can talk to other people about it, but even say it directly to him. Father, I thank you that you are here. You're here with me right now. Praise God. I'm getting out of bed. Amen. <laughs> Father, I thank you that you are here. You are with me. 
you're always present. Amen. Amen. Lord, I, thank you. <laughs> Whatever we do, we can do this. And we ought to do this. Think about his abiding presence. Everybody say it out loud. Say, Lord, Lord you, are with me now. you are with me now. You are with me always. You're with me right here, right now. By the way, that's not because we're in church together. Do that in the car. If, if you could, if you need to make yourself a reminder, make your phone yell at you every half hour or something, do it. And whenever it goes off, say, thank you, Lord, you are here. That's all you say. You are with me. You are here. And you're, here's the thing. We are much more likely to interact with a present God instead of God, you are there. Instead of a Lord who's in my future. Instead of the Lord in many other things that are also true about him. When I have this revelation, Lord, you are here. Enoch found that revelation and he started talking with him and he started walking with him. And God became so real to him that he was not. That he, be, he was out of there. Acknowledgement of his abiding presence. And then number two, what we see from this verse in Hebrews 11, 11 5 and 6, is that there must be an expectation of a response to seeking. That's another way of describing the rewards. He said, he who comes to God must believe that he is. And we could say, he must, he must believe that I will respond to him, to, to them when they seek me. Okay? So we have, many of us, been trained by religion, by church, by people who have number one, but not number two. The beginning of the message. They have the legal relationship, but not the daily connection. They have the one, they don't have the number two, and they train us to pray and expect nothing. They tell stories of people who prayed and didn't get an answer. They talk about, yeah, I tried this and nothing happened. And they meditate that and they think about it and they tell stories and we all take on this consciousness of God is far away and he's hard to get a hold of. And the fact is he's ever-present our help in time of need. And he always responds. Say, well, does he? Listen, that expectation, he said it. You have to believe this. If you're going to come to me, you must believe that I respond to you when you do. In other words, don't call on him if you think he might say nothing. Don't pray if you think he might not respond. Get your expector fixed. Amen. Why am I saying this? Enoch did it. And if you want a greater example, that's Jesus. Of course, he, did, he didn't disappear like that because he had a job to do. But Jesus did it. He, Jesus didn't talk to the Father and say, are you, are you even there? In fact, the one day when he raised Lazarus from the dead, it's in John chapter 11, he started praying and he said, Father, I know you always hear me, but basically for the benefit of those around you, I'm saying this. In other words, 
he knew he always has, has uh, an audience with the Father. They interact all the time. Sometimes he prayed for the benefit of those around him. Maybe you've done that at a meal. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Show yourself to my heathen friends <laughs> who are with me, or whatever. You use the prayer to preach. <laughs> Help my son to clean his room. <laughs> and <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Everybody okay today? If we could just stir this up, he's here. And I, ex I expect every time I address him, there's a response. Read these verses again and again this week. Genesis and, and Hebrews. And read it. And adjust your thinking. And adjust your, you're here. And Lord, you always respond to me. Let's say that together. Say, say Lord, Lord, you're with me. You always respond. You're a rewarder. Of me, of me when I seek you. I seek you. Thank you, Thank you for, responding for responding to me every time. Every time. Amen. Amen. The way a lot of this works is the more you do it, the more real it becomes. The more we do it, the more desirable it becomes. Uh, sometimes I call this the thrill of the fill. Whatever you're filled with you're thrilled with, all right? When you are filled with this mentality and this behavior, you can't wait to do it again. You can't wait to acknowledge him again and to walk with him. It's kind of like foods, you know, you eat food and you want more food, right? You eat certain types of food, you desire it even more. And, and it becomes more difficult to stop. Even if it's like non-addictive things, but, you know, it's like, have you ever seen someone, they, or maybe it was you, first take a drink of alcohol and think, oh, that's terrible, right? Am I right about that? <laughs> and then people say, no, it's good. Okay, it's good. <laughs> and then later they're addicted. <laughs> and, uh, uh, or, or even coffee is that way, I think. I remember drinking coffee as a little kid because... The kind of church we went to, after church, everyone would go, out, go outside and drink co coffee and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> so I make that joke sometimes, but that's literally the way it was <laughs> And uh, outside of church. And so we thought we didn't smoke the cigarettes, but we drank the coffee and we'd load it up with sugar and stuff. And I remember still thinking, this is gross. <laughs> I need more cream and sugar, more cream and sugar, get rid of that coffee taste. And uh, anyway, I'm not saying you can't like coffee, whatever, fine. Uh, I still think, I still think alcohol is gross because we were on a vacation. I don't, we don't drink alcohol, but we were on a vacation and at this resort and they were bringing around these little punches and they said, yeah, those, because there's kids with us and everything. And they said, yeah, these aren't alcohol, aren't alcohol or anything like that. So I grabbed one and drank it. And I went, oh, that's horrible. It had alcohol in it. I don't know how people do it. Anyway. Some of you disagree. I don't care. <laughs> I'm saying, let's get back to the point now. <laughs> with the things of God, especially with spending time in the Word and in prayer, in communion, if it seems hard, push and drink it anyway. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's our natural default 
condition is to connect with our Father. If you pray a lot, you like it. If you pray a little, it seems hard. Like, ah, it's hard to spend time with the Lord. I think it's been like an hour and it's been five minutes. <laughs> that flips for a lot of people. The more you do it, the more you find, I love this. I can't wait to do it again. There's a reason why gatherings like this are full and prayer meetings are far from full. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. I think the more we walk with God, the more we desire it. I think probably uh, Enoch got addicted to spending time with God. God became so real to him, he walked with God. And he did it for 300 years. And he did it by faith. He walked with God and the Lord said, come on over. She said, okay, I'm out of here. Amen. Amen. Can God be that real to us? I think he can be. I think he wants to be. I think he ought to be. Let's walk this path together. Amen. Amen. Praise God.